Weekly Review. It's the week of September 25, 2021, and I am Kaylin McCain. Our stories this week feature the future of the Captain's Table Project, the ambulance response to a paramedic shortage, and the Latino Festival in Washington. But first, a look at the big picture. County public health departments have had different reactions to a federal ruling that temporarily opened the door for school mask mandates in the state. Washington County's interim public health director, Chris Essel, who is also Jefferson County's public health administrator, said school mask policy was beyond the department's jurisdiction and pledged to remain neutral. One of the school boards in Jefferson County let me attend their school board meeting on Monday, and I'm like, not going to engage. It's not a local public health decision. Um, I got some guidance from my attorney in Fairfield. I sent it to John as well here. I said, this is what I think. Um, the guidance has not changed. I continue to recommend CDC guidance, which does include the wearing of a mask. I understand they can't mandate that school. I get that, but it's still an option. If a kid wants to wear it, a teacher wants to wear it, it's still appropriate. If you're sick, stay home. You know, this is a board, a school board decision. Local public health has nothing to do with this decision. And I ended it with, I respectfully decline the invitation to your school board meeting. Essel said she wanted to keep the department out of political fights and that separation of decision-making would balance responsibility for any district policies. I don't need to go as local public health and have more drama and more angst and be involved in something that does not pertain to me as a decision-making process. And I would tell any school school app here as well, because it's not a local board health or board health decision. Because they will be the ones that, if there is, if something gets changed and then there becomes a funding issue, that will impact them and their decision, not me. Because you're not going to get your, you're not going to recoup funds from your public health. Henry County Public Health Director Shelley Van Dorn took a more decisive stance. The department sent an email to school officials endorsing CDC-backed mask mandate policies in mid-September. Yeah, we... We would love to them to have a mandate. I mean, we would love to have masks. It was so much easier last year when, when you know, they would wear masks. While she sympathized with districts waiting for the politics to shake out, Van Doren said she hoped recommendations would help school officials make informed decisions. They'll probably be waiting for um, the legislation because what could be is if they decide to, even if the school board decides to, um, you know, adopt that and have a mask mandate, um, then what if the legislation goes through and says that, the, you know, that you can't do that, and then so it's a lot of wishy-washy back and forth. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things are very frustrating to publics because, you know, one day you're saying that you should wear a mask, and then the next day you're saying that you shouldn't. So I understand if they want to kind of see how this, you know, the appeal goes. But um, the Board of Health did want to send a message, and um, they wanted it to go to the schools, and they wanted to go it to go to the superintendents and the school boards, um, so that they would have um, the recommendation from the Board of Health. That was the big picture. We'll be back with local news right after this. Hi, and welcome to the first ad section. This mid-roll ad section is 60 seconds long. We recommend mid-roll ads to anyone seeking name recognition or brand awareness, as mid-roll ads fall in the middle of the show and thus are the most listened to. If you're interested in submitting an ad read or your own pre-made advertisement, give our Washington office a call. We would appreciate the support. Until then, imagine what message you could fit in this 60-second spot.
Washington Chamber of Commerce terminated its fundraising to restore Smouse House this week. Chamber Executive Director Michelle Redlinger said funds just weren't there for the building, which is also known as the Captain's Table. The Chamber had raised $750,000 out of its $2.5 million goal before throwing in the towel. The project didn't fit um, the parameters of some of the larger grant funds that we were pursuing and just felt that the gap in what we had raised or had received in commitments and the estimate of the project was to create a risk for our organization and our members. Redlinger said that while she was sad to see the project end, she knew from the start that the Chamber's goals restricted many of its options. I have mixed feelings. One of the initial goals with this project was to ensure that if we were to rehabilitate it, we were going to use um, as many local contractors as possible and um, kind of make it um, organic. Um, and so we decided to keep our uh, project parameters a lot more local and organic. Uh, there's also some federal money that we could have went after, but a lot of times those projects will dictate who can work on the building, and that might eliminate some of our local contractors from being able to, to be part of it. Um, and so we chose not to go after those monies. I would say just because we are the Chamber of Commerce and we're here to support our local businesses, we probably took a different approach than, um, than if, if we weren't, you know, so focused on making sure that it supported the community. Jeff Hazlett, the building's owner from Elliott Realty, said the site would likely be sold as commercial space. We have... Uh... We have started working with a couple different companies that have expressed interest in coming to Washington. That is still one of the absolute best locations in all of Washington when it comes to some commercial settings. So that's probably the avenue that we'll start to go down as we'll look for someone that can repurpose the site and, uh, and just take advantage of the location. Unfortunately for the historical building, that means it's likely to be torn down. A private developer cannot go in and renovate that and try to do something to use it again. You know, it's beyond that point. It's going to cost too much. You'd never really be able to financially do it. You need to be able to utilize either local, state, uh, monies in some fashion. And a private developer wouldn't get some of the things that the chamber could get. So for a private developer to do something with that, obviously the building's going to have to be removed. Washington County officials discussed the future of the ambulance program at a meeting on Tuesday. Ambulance Director Jeremy Peck said the department was considering staffing a new vehicle with a basic life support or BLS crew, as opposed to an advanced life support or ALS crew. While a BLS ambulance wouldn't have a paramedic aboard, Peck said it could be a necessary solution in the face of a nationwide shortage of paramedics. BLS transports uh, last year was 58%, so a high percentage of our calls, uh, you know, we had to run BLS, but we still had to have ALS providers be able to basically take a look at that person and make sure that they didn't need advanced care. Uh, with the lack of paramedics in the nation, Things are changing. Although ambulance call numbers are on the upswing, Board of Supervisors member Jack Seward Jr. had questions about the expense of a new crew. Is there going to be a way to project how much it's going to cost us to do it? Yeah, yeah. We have a pretty rough idea uh, if we just do an on-call for eight hours. Uh, if we shoot a $10 an hour figure for an on-call rate per employee, you're looking at uh, about 60000 a year to have two EMTs on-call uh, eight hours a day. So it should be cheaper than running an ALS truck, but you're also not billing ALS if you have an ALS call if you don't have an ALS provider available. Seward later said he liked the BLS option, but worried about straining the county budget. I mean, 
Sounds like a good idea, but what we need to find out is, is you know, is it cost-effective and is it really needed? Uh, the way things are going this year, it sounds like our economy is not so good. I'm real leery about what uh, our tax revenues are going to be. I'm really leery about the state of, of uh, wages for the general public. We're going to have to look at, at maybe holding back expenses somehow. If projections surprise me maybe we can absorb 60,000 and it's a good deal for the county so if it's a service to be provided that's needed and we can reasonably do it I'm not opposed to it if we've got to institute some belt tightening measures it's easier to put something off than it is to cut that's where I'm at I'm, I'm not against it I'm not opposed to it I just would like to know as much as I can ahead of time the nonprofit group Latinos for Washington hosts its annual Latino Festival this weekend. Martha Hernandez, one of the event's organizers, invites community members to join the fun from 11 a.m. to 8 p.m. Saturday in Washington Central Park. We will be having um, lots of music and live events happening throughout the um, day with the festival. So I would recommend everybody to come out and just get some food and enjoy it. Uh, it's going to be an outdoor, so of course it's going to be here in downtown Washington. Um, but um, everybody is welcome to also bring in um, their chairs and just enjoy um, the event with their family. While the festival has previously been held over the summer, Hernandez said the organization had reason to change that timing. We are celebrating this uh, Latino Fest um, a little bit different than we had in the past years. Uh, we are tying it in with um, Latino Heritage Month um, in September, which is this month. We had in the past had this event held in, with the summer classics in the summer. Um, but we decided to do it a little bit different this year. So this year is going to be this Saturday um, and tying it in with um, Hispanic Heritage Month. Hernandez said she hoped people of all backgrounds would turn out for the celebration of Latino culture. So this initiated to kind of get the Latino um, community involved. It's not an event just for the Latinos. It's an event to kind of, you know, share our culture and um, other stuff, you know, the foods and all musics and art and stuff like that with the other members of the community um, that want to know, get to know our culture. But absolutely, it's not def it's not focused on just for the Latino community. It's to share, um, you know, part of our culture and what we do. That's it for the local news. We'll be back with the best news I've heard all week right after this. Welcome to the second mid-roll ad section. It is also 60 seconds, but we might up it to 90 if there's enough interest. Once again, we recommend mid-roll ads to anyone that wants to send a message since they're heard by most listeners. Because this ad section is closer to the end of the episode, it's also a good place to prompt listener engagement. If you're planning an event or a sale and want people to show up, this would be a great place to do it. Interested in buying ad time? Call our office in Washington to make arrangements. We'd appreciate the support. Until then, enjoy the remainder of this minute of royalty-free music. Now, the best news I've heard all week. 
An ongoing bet between county officials has entered the spotlight. Washington County Auditor Dan Widmer revealed the details of a persisting school rivalry between himself and County Attorney John Gish at the Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday. The meeting also happened to be Widmer's birthday. I'd like to point out that uh, County Attorney John Gish is, is looking especially dapper this morning with his Iowa Hawkeye tie. And John, how many how many years have we had this bet about oh. the Iowa Iowa State game? And yeah, how many years? Day in the yeah, no, and how many years in a row have you won that? Have you worn that Hawkeye tie? Uh, how old are you today, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> Widmer said the bet had been running for years. County Attorney John Gish and I have had a uh, an annual bet every year on, uh, on the Iowa Iowa State football game. The loser wears the tie of the winning team on the next Tuesday after the game. Now this this time John was was not at was not in the office last Tuesday and so we had to delay his wearing of the Iowa Hawkeye tie until until today. So that's that's the deal. Um, I'd like to point out that it's been a while since I've had to wear that. He's he's uh, he's had to wear the Hawkeye tie pretty much every year. Because I think I was one, what, five, six in a row or something like that. It's just all for fun. Yeah. And John's really a good sport about it. And, and you know, like I said, I've had to wear the Iowa State tie. Again, I think that was, some years we've even done it for the basketball game. So I have worn the Iowa State tie as well. But. Thank you for listening to the Washington Weekly Review. This podcast is copyrighted property of the Southeast Iowa Union, which is owned by Gazette Communications Incorporated, a Foliance company. Music and sound effects are available through a Creative Commons Zero license and our public domain. Thank you to Anchor for hosting our podcast on a variety of platforms. This has been the Washington Weekly Review. I have been Kalen McCain. Have a great weekend. This is where we plan to run 30 seconds of post-roll ads. Post-roll ads are great for calls to action like sales or requests for donations, because at the end of the episode, listeners don't have to weigh pausing the content against taking the action. Give our Washington office a call if you're interested in buying an ad. We'd appreciate the support. Thanks. Thanks.